Hey everybody, welcome to Reaction Shots for April. We're talking about Quentin Tarantino, or as he's sometimes known right now, Quentin Quarantino. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm joined, of course, by Michael Huber. Quarantino! Did you come up with that right now? No, I've heard a lot of people say that. And then that we is... have a very special guest, Tokyo Slim. I'm not that special of a guest, just, you know... I'm just here. I'm here. Uh, An extremely special guest whose uh, real name I do not know and never will know. Never. I've decided. Caster Troy. Tokyo Slim with Caster Troy guest star. I mean, it might as well be my real name by this point. I've been using it for like 17 years. Wow, that's good. That's a good track record. Mm. Anyway, yeah, we're talking about Quentin Tarantino, but before we get into that... Uh, what have you guys liked lately? Uh, Tokyo, you want to go first? Sure. Um, I watched most recently. I watched Onward. Oh, um, haven't seen on that yet. Disney Plus, and I think it's like a B. It's huh. not like outstanding. It's just I mean, like really, like if you if you've seen a Pixar movie, like you know how this is gonna like work out. It's very, it's very kind of formulaic, tugs at your heartstrings, you know, family bonds. I think Huber would like it a lot. There's a lot of like D and D stuff in there. Um, does it? Does it? Because from the the trailers, ma- gave me very heavy DreamWorks vibes. Does it feel like a Pixar it, movie? The art style is a little bit like that. Yeah, I just like, I don't know. I think. I think it's mostly just kind of due to the world they built. And I think that like, it's a very fantasy world. And it's kind of like, um, I don't know. It's it, There's like unicorns and stuff, but like the unicorns in this world are kind of like raccoons oh, in the, the real world. Like they like dig through the trash and like they're like pests or whatever. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's an interesting world they built. Um, you know, it's, I wouldn't say it's like one of the better of their movies that I've seen. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, like Ratatouille is my personal favorite. Coco's up there. Up is up there. It's kind of like below that tier. Sure, sure. Yeah, I need to see Onward. I have Disney Plus, so I, I didn't know if they were putting it out on Disney Plus or if they were doing the uh, Invisible Man thing where it's it, you buy it on Amazon for 20 right. bucks or whatever. Yeah, no, it was free on Disney Plus. I think it came out on Sunday, Monday. Sunday oh, okay. Like I don't know what day it is right now. So, <laughs> me neither. I'm not that far behind then. Same. Anything else that you've seen lately? I also uh, just kind of revisited, just like randomly, uh, Apocalypse Now: Final Cut. Oh yeah. Because uh, I have the 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray set. Oh, cool. And that movie it's up there it's amongst my favorites it's like that film is art yeah in the most like pure definition of the the word and it's not a perfect movie by any means it has its like weird story you know hiccups and like lulls the plantation scene a lot of people hate um there's a french plantation scene in the final yeah. cut that's not in a regular cut yeah i personally really like it because it it like gives you a kind of a break but then also not really like all those people are insane they're like they're all debating whether or not to leave their plantation that's in the midst of this war zone they're like too proud to leave 
and it's kind of a different sort of insanity than all the other insanity in the movie, but they're all like very polite about it. I remember liking that scene a lot. I've seen, I'm trying to remember, is Redux and Final Cut are different, right? Yeah, Redux was kind of, um, there's some more, there, I can't really remember the exact differences, but there's like, there's like the Redux, I think doesn't have the plantation scene, but does have like the Playmates it's got the Playmate, yeah. I've, I must have seen... I think I've seen every version then, because I've for sure seen both Playmates and the Plantation. Did Walter okay. Murch edit all the versions? I don't know. I'm I not sure, actually. I, I, I want to say he did, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you right off the top of my head. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. I love that movie. You've seen Wait. that, right, Huber? One time, one time. OG Literally, version? Like, What's up? OG or uh, Final Cut? Final Cut. Okay. What were you going to yeah. say, Tokyo? Literally, you can just like pause any frame of that movie and just make it like your desktop background. It's, oh, yeah. It's so yeah, beautiful. One of, those mo- one of those rare movies that has a very specific feeling when you're watching it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then you have a very specific feeling after you're done watching it, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, great. Anything else? That's uh, that's about all. I've been pretty like light on movies for the past two or three months. I've been all video games all the time. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, it's a that good time for games right now. YouTube. Right? I've fallen down lots of YouTube holes. Um, just you know, random stuff, cooking shows, travel docs. Uh, <laughs> what cooking shows? Um, I recently uh discovered there's like a it's called a alex french guy cooking uh he's like just this guy in paris who he's like i'm going to learn to make the perfect meatball and he like travels to like sweden and then morocco and then (laughs) wow china or whatever and he like learns how to make meatballs in a bunch of different cultures and then makes his own version of a meatball wow i've just been watching a lot of mr sunday movies caravan of garbage <laughs> i like those a lot nice. uh what about you huber what have you liked lately uh started started the newest season of expanse finally ah i just season finished four. the latest season of expanse nice nice yeah i'm on like see episode four or five of the newest um, season of the Three? newest season yeah yeah i watched all the other seasons when they came out but then just missed this one yeah this and Mr. Robot's final or like newest seasons I missed when they came out just because I was so busy with like so many other shows and games and whatnot. Yeah. So I've been meaning to go back to Mr. Robot when it becomes available on Prime or something, but yeah, just been doing Expanse, loving it. It feels so different, which is actually kind of okay now because obviously it went to Amazon, it's like way different. Yeah. But it's been so long since we watched it that it's like kind of refreshing that it's like a kind of a new show definitely um because we finished it omar and i finished it just a couple of nights ago mm-hmm. and I won't, I won't spoil anything obviously but like yeah the vibes are way different and like yeah. it's clear maybe to the show's detriment that they can swear now <laughs> uh so whereas avisarala would like swear once or twice with he- great impact now every yeah. other word is a swear word out of her mouth and it's kind yeah, of have- kind of annoying you know what? I noticed that actually in the first couple episodes. You're right about that. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Had she's, a little less impact. She's F this, F that now, whereas 
in season two when she says, I'll do whatever the, whatever I goddamn like or whatever, it's yeah. like, whoa! <laughs> totally. Yeah. Anything See, else? That's pretty much it. Then just been gaming. Then, pretty much uh, it. Also a fun YouTube watching, channel. Yeah, just watching uh, like my regular eating shows, which are currently S.H.I.E.L.D., Vampire Diaries, and Nashville. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, and Devs. I've heard devs is cool. Devs, I feel like every I feel like the biggest criticism you can have of any show in the golden age of TV is two episodes too long. Oh yeah. Um it's like an eight episode thing. Alex Garland actually writes and directs every single episode Ian, so definitely Alex Garland does? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I did not know that either. That's interesting. Jump on, yeah. I still feel like it's one or two too many. I, this is not a spoiler. I feel like the format really lets him go all in on his ideas, but at the expense of stakes. Uh. Because we're just going so in-depth and we're like taking so much time on things and explaining things that kind of the urgency and the, the stakes have diminished I, somewhat. I do find amongst his work that... And sometimes this is good, sometimes this is bad. Like, it works in 28 Days Later, and I think it doesn't work in The Beach, where, like, he'll try to have two ideas when one would have been been better, you know? Whereas (laughs) in in 28 Days Later, the second idea is actually the interesting one. Whereas in The Beach, like, the the ending just goes off the rails in Sunshine, which is, like, a near-perfect movie until the third act, when it just goes crazy... Mm-hmm. I think you wrote that. that movie. Ex Machina is uh, very nice, though. Yeah, I gotta watch uh, Sunshine again. It's been many, 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 many years. I've seen it a it's... few times. I I like it. I yeah. just what what were you gonna say, Tokyo Slam? I, I love that movie. I even I even love the dumb ending. Like it's, <laughs> the, the stupid third act is such just like a ninety degree turn yeah. from the rest of the movie. Um, I. I don't know. I kind of always like it when a movie does that just because it's like the least expected thing they could do at this point is like, this is, you know, a very yeah. like clinical sterile environment they've been in for the entire film. And then like, you know, it's just a kind of a, a very harrowing emotional drama about these people who are isolated and like trying to be heroic and not living up to that potential. And then all of a sudden they're like, Oh, by the way, Psycho Killer on the ship, slasher movie. Yeah. And then, like, you know, drive your spaceship. Oh, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not, I don't want to spoil anything. Spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Are, but like, <laughs> the, the ending of it is just bonkers, like, insane. And uh, I don't know, like, one of my personal favorites of his films, just because the first half and second half were so, like, it, it's like Jenga, you know, like, hey, yeah. Well, Totally. They're two very, later, two very cool different movies. Yeah. What are you going to say, Huber? Even 28 Days Later kind of, just the last Yeah. Act. It's very different. Definitely shifts tones. God, I love that movie. It's and very 28 good. Weeks. I would just... 28 Weeks, keeping, yeah. keeping the dream alive, man. 28 months later. One of these days. 28 years later. Yeah, they should months, do 28 years later. Maybe years, they'll do it. Yeah. Honestly. David Lynch. Pull a David Lynch. Seriously. Um... Anything else, Hubie? That's it. Uh, I, of course, watched Tiger King. Because uh, <laughs> what else are you going to do? Uh, 
definitely an interesting experience. Uh, I, last night, or a couple of nights ago, I watched the um, 70s, I don't remember the specific year, 78 maybe? The Orient Express, Murder on the Orient Express, the Sidney so Lumet fun. movie. Albert Sean, Con- Finney. Sean Connery's in that, right? Sean Connery's in it, but like, only Barely. kinda. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if he wasn't a huge deal, but I thought he was big by then, I don't know. He's just kind of there. Of course, everybody kind of is in that movie. Uh, really fun movie, though. I'd never seen that version. Uh, I saw the Kenneth Branagh one, which I saw it on a plane, and it, that was the good setting for that, you know? <laughs> uh, but this one, yeah, I subscribed to Criterion Channel finally. I pulled the trigger nice. on that. So uh, Orient Express was the first one I watched for whatever reason. Well, actually, it was mentioned by... Um, Maybe just right on YouTube talking about the movies that influenced Knives Out, and I really liked Knives Out, and they mentioned this one, and it was the only one on Criterion, so I was like, okay. Um, we talked about Expanse. I'm loving season three of Westworld so far. Uh, it's pretty cool. Kind of made like season two was a lot of work, but season three is a lot of fun so far. Uh, did we talk about The Outsider already, Huber? On this. I don't know if we did. I know you and I have briefly talked about it. The old classic, two episodes too long. <laughs> yeah. Eh, maybe this one is just one. Yeah, but, one. Sure, one. But, sure. Uh, yeah, I really liked it. Um, yeah. Can't really know, talk I, about it without spoiling it. <laughs> totally. So, so we always, shouldn't talk about it. Yeah, and I always see, I'll, I'll always see Stephen King a little differently from you because you read so much of it. So I've read did all that, of Dark Tower for sure. That might that, be the only ones I've read, but. Did that impact your outsider viewing at all? Uh, I'm trying to think of how to say this without spoiling, without tipping the hat, and I'm not sure I can. But there definitely was a moment where I was like, "All oh, right, Stephen King," right? Um, <laughs> or, or like, which which Stephen King are we gonna get? Is was my question going in? Uh, yeah, nice. and then I just wanted to shout out to. Fleabag, because the show is perfect, in my opinion, and uh, they're putting out the one-woman show. I think you can get it on Amazon for, like, $5 or something, or maybe National Theater or something. Google it. But you can watch her one-woman show starting, I believe, uh, the day this episode comes out, Friday, unless it's already up. But, yeah, uh, I went and saw that with a few people. Um in a theater, which was funny. There was just, you know, they were just projecting a recording of it, but it was really great and worth watching. But watch the show first, I would say. Watch the show first. Um, cool. That's what I've liked lately, in addition to lots of video games. So many video games. So many video games. Jill All Valentine. The video- Jill Valentine, which basically felt like a movie, playing Resident Evil 3. Totally. And uh, a little over 24 hours from now, we'll all be playing Final Fantasy VII Remake. Some of us will. Uh-oh. Are you not going to play it? No, I'm just getting mine late. Oh, you got a physical copy. That's the problem. Got to have that physical copy. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a hoarder, man. I got a collection. Oh. I got like 2,500 DVDs right over there in the other room. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> I uh, I used to collect Blu-rays and DVDs, um, and then I finally took all the cases and just put the discs in a little thing, and, like, 
all my Blu-rays are housed in like this, like you know, a, a ten by ten cube that used yeah. to take up like shelves. You know. Yeah. I wish I could do the same with my board games. I love cases. I love case art. I love steel books. I love all that stupid marketing stuff that they just shove down your throat and like you know make you pay extra for and <laughs> and like and you know like the uh, DVD menu screens here. Yeah. The, like, oh man, I can never not just like not go physical media just because of like it's a it's a specific thing, man. Like, uh, you know, Amazon is 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 great, and uh, Netflix and like HBO and stuff streaming is is fantastic. But you never you're never gonna get this out of. I never know. you're never gonna you know? wake up four hours later with the Die Hard DVD exactly. menu on loop. Exactly. I've done that so many times. <laughs> the best. Uh, just like the Buffy menu. Like yeah. Episodes. Like, yeah. yeah. Just like some like 10 yeah. second music loop driving <laughs> you mad in your dreams. For real. Yes. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about our man Q Pain. Um, Quarantino. Quentin Quarantino. <laughs> it's funny because. As a bit of a preamble, I think it's an interesting episode for me because I I like Tarantino. I don't I'm not like over the moon gaga for Tarantino. Um I also don't dislike Tarantino. You know, obviously like I think that he's contributed so much to film and like he definitely has a singular voice and you can never fault somebody for that, you know? Uh I mean, unless their voice is wicked i suppose (laughs) but um you know it's not i want to bring this out right away too it's it's not that he is not occasionally problematic in certain ways absolutely like tarantino yeah controversial figure (laughs) yeah um but he's he's just so like he's not a hypocrite about it like he knows exactly what he's doing and he can explain to you why he's doing it and it's just up to you whether or not you agree with his interpretation of things or whatever. That's just his deal, you know? Yeah. There's one, I think I like started loving him so young because like I love gore and violence, you know? And he was so like controversial for that when I was a child. Like I can remember my dad having to watch Pulp Fiction with me on VHS. He's like, you're not going to watch this alone. Like, I want to watch it with you. And I was like, you know, pretty young. I definitely wasn't 17. Showed me it pretty early. Um, And like, I don't know. I I love gore and violence. Like, you can love gore and violence without it being like, without being sick and twisted, you know? Yeah. It's funny because his... I mean, his style of gore and violence to me is so cartoonish that it doesn't even <laughs> register as grotesque, like, yeah. for me. Maybe because I grew up watching such crazy movies. Um, definitely was exposed to violence at a very young age because of film. Yes, yeah, same. <laughs> but, yeah, Tarantino movies have never s- struck me as violent just because they're so over the top that mm-hmm. it, like, goes beyond it. You know what I mean? Except for obviously, there are definitely in his more restrained moments. That's when it's way more like um, affecting. I think yeah. psychologically. Well, see, the thing dogs kills and stuff. Yeah, the thing too, especially with like his earlier stuff, Reservoir Dogs, 
Pulp Fiction. Um, a lot of the violence is implied violence, and people don't remember that either. Yeah. Like, you know, like people are like, oh, you know, you see the, the, you know, this dude get his ear cut off. You don't. You see the reaction. And you hear you know? it. And you hear it. And that's that's the that that's the, the line that he drew. It wasn't really until Kill Bill um, that he showed the actual violence, the acts of violence that he portrayed on the screen, and it was kind of like a turning point for him, like Kill Bill Volume One was. Yeah. Like up until that point, you know, like you like Marvin's head gets blown off in the mm-hmm. back of the car in Pulp Fiction, and you never Shocking see it. Violence. You just right. see like blood splatter on the back window and then like on the back of like their heads and stuff you don't actually see anything happen and it's just like the shocking nature of like the implied violence was 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 like ramped up more than the actual violence you were seeing in other movies you that, might have, like, that was the issue you might have hit the hit the nail on the head for a question i wanted to ask you guys because um, there's it's something i've been thinking about with tarantino and it's like I feel like he has two, maybe more than two, but he has, you know, like a lot of artists have phases, you know, have like eras or whatever. Uh, and he has at least two for me. And Kill Bill might be might be the delineation point. Like Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, Jackie Brown, uh, and then Kill Bill after. Because, yeah, and I don't know if it's just the violence, but there's sort of a grandiose nature to his filmmaking that was introduced around the time of Kill Bill um and I don't know if it's budget got bigger so he could do more crazy things or well, what like, I feel like Inglorious obviously Death Proof is in there too but like Inglorious yeah. Bastards onward is like he's a straight up adult yeah you know? I feel like those movies are so mature and it's like an older wiser more even more skillful confident director coming back but it's weird though because i think maybe his most restrained and mature film might be jackie brown maybe because he didn't write it and that's a point i wanted to bring up my personal like like you i i kind of or it was based on something i don't know i respect quentin tarantino a lot i think he is probably the most influential filmmaker of my generation um just in the amount of like reach and scope that he has in pop culture is staggering yeah you can watch television shows that'll reference pulp fiction you can watch you know uh marvel movies that reference pulp fiction you know Samuel l jackson obviously is like in everything but he he really wasn't until pulp fiction made him that star he was just a you know a regular working class character actor before that uh, and now he's like this household name who's telling people not to go outside and stay <laughs> yeah. at home, you know, whatever. Like, like he's the person he is today because of Quentin Tarantino. Um, and the thing with, uh, I lost my original train of thought. Oh, uh, <laughs> the thing I really, like the movies I love that Quentin Tarantino is involved in are ones where he's tempered by some other yeah. outside force. Yeah. Jackie Brown was uh, Elmore Leonard rum punch. Uh, an adaptation of that book, uh, which was a, you know, straight up kind of crime heist type of novel in a very pulpy way. And he adapted that into Jackie Brown. Um, True Romance, which is my favorite movie of all time. He wrote it, sold it to make Reservoir Dogs. 
uh, and then was picked up by Tony Scott. And Tony Scott made it, made a bunch of changes to it. It was originally in the like Quentin Tarantino out of order, you know. Oh, uh, really? I didn't know that. And, and it originally had a very depressing, sad ending to it. And Tony Scott changed the ending. He's like, nah, I don't want it. I wanted a happy ending to this movie. And he kind of just chopped it all up and like rewrote it and like made it his own movie. Still the Quentin Tarantino thumbprint is definitely in the dialogue is definitely in like the characters, the ensemble, like every single, like everybody is in this movie, you know, Samuel Jackson, Chris Penn, Christopher Walken, you know, uh, Gary Oldman, like this movie is all star cast. Yeah, it, it is uh, Patricia Arquette's birthday today. Uh, not Happy when you're birthday. watching this, but when we're filming it. Right, right. <laughs> um, so happy birthday, Patricia Arquette. And it's, it's just one of those deals. It's like that's that's like when I think he's at his best is when he's kind of restrained in some way or like not fully able to control the entire workflow of a project. I um, I agree 100% and like it's sad the the death of his editor um you know and you can feel there's just a little something different with his movies since that um yeah. and it's not that they're bloated or anything like that but it's just like the editor's voice is different and it you can sense it um Hateful Eight maybe could have you know could stand to be shorter but like that's not that's not all that editing is obviously you know but yeah when he's when he's working from source material or reined in somehow i think that's true of a lot of artists like definitely some some people do their best work when they're when they have no money or when the studio is breathing down their neck or like they have to come up with creative solutions to things like i mean george lucas is the obvious like snarky first thought answer right where it's peter like jackson peter jackson yeah it's like unhinged well uh, although peter jackson like he had all the money in the world for lord of the rings and those turned out all right but yeah yeah there's um also i can't remember the guy uh uh, be kind rewind and uh oh um michelle gondry gondry and then like they give him a big budget movie and he goes and makes green hornet right you know (laughs) like that's that's what you get when you give that guy money and he's like a genius without it and with it it's just like no Take the money away from him. Let him be like, because that's his creative process. Is he actually creates, you know, visually, yeah, his movies. So CGI is not where he's strong. I so. wonder. I, I want some statistician to take like auteurs, compare the budgets and the like critical reception of their films, and find like the nexus point for yeah. for like. Godard and Michel Gondry and Charlie Kaufman and like everybody and like Spielberg, you know, like what's the what's the most money they can they should have, you know? <laughs> I feel like there's more. Like I love that. I love that. I feel like there's two though. Like, um, but Guillermo is like it would be a, a fun one to do that with because mm. it's like what is he really passionate about? You know, I feel like he had more money, more budget with. Shape of Water versus Crimson Peak, or yeah, just interesting to. It's funny. To see. Del Toro's a a funny pull because to me, like his movies, 
I mean, I don't know the budgets of his films, but his movies have they've all got that feel. They they don't none of them feel like cheap. T- cheap or too no. expensive. They all feel like right there, you know. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that like 80 mil. Yep. <laughs> 70 mil. Without actually knowing what the budgets of all his movies are, it's it's really hard to tell which ones are high budget and which ones aren't. I mean, yeah. yeah. Like he could have had like, more money for Crimson Peak than Shape of yeah. Water for all I know. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Um all right, Devil's Backbone and like Pan's Labyrinth and Kronos. Like, Kronos. I need to see Kronos still. Oh my god, Kronos. So like low budge. I gotta see Kronos. I still haven't seen it. Um It's good. It's good. Alright, so I asked the patrons. Uh, the patrons. The patrons what uh their favorite Q tip movie was. Nice. I was using a different name for Quentin Tarantino every time. Uh <laughs> Yeah. So I can just uh, go through the comments, and if anything jumps out at you guys, uh, jump in. Let me know. Head Otherwise, first. I'll just keep going. Huh? When when you're done with this, I have uh, compiled kind of a loose overall ranking that they have come up with oh. <laughs> based on their favorites and then least favorites. Least favorites? Okay. I, uh, I, I, I merged both lists, and there's a clear top and a clear uh, bottom film, and there's a bunch of interesting stuff in huber so. what's your we've both seen the the stuff but huber what's your guess and we'll see we'll see at the end of this uh if you're right what's your guess for the patron's favorite and the patron's least favorite Pulp i'm not fiction. even sure what Pulp fiction is a a masterpiece that has no competition whatsoever it's number one okay Anything else is offensive okay uh, what's their pay- least favorite what's your guess does death proof count guaranteed bottom okay don't tell us yet tokyo we'll hear the okay we'll hear the uh the comments and then we'll see how huber did Fair. my my guess just glancing at it when i was putting it all together but i wasn't doing the math glorious is gonna win was uh hateful eight was pretty down there too but we'll see all right uh spencer harding's favorite was kill bill 2 i love how ridiculous it all is and the death of bill is so over the top it's phenomenal oh yeah Probably we're just going to spoil pretty much every Quentin Tarantino movie. Uh, Five-point palm exploding heart technique is one of the coolest things of all time. (laughs) Cover your ears, Noah. (laughs) Cover your ears, Noah. Cover your ears, yeah. Oh, Noah's got an amazing comment in here. Um, (laughs) Jacob Parker, Inglorious Bastards, followed very, very closely by Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, rounds out the top three. Katie Garza, favorite Quarantino movie has got to be Death Proof. In your face, wow. Huber. Watching the juxtaposition awesome. between a group of women in the first half and the group of women in the second half is great. Although on rewatches, I do see the sexist undertones, which I think is maybe the point because it's a pseudo exploitative film. Yeah, I think it's hard to. It's that's something I want to talk about with with Tarantino. Kind of hard to tell sometimes if the problematic <laughs> stuff is on purpose <laughs> or if it's just problematic. Um, he'll keep you guessing he'll keep you guessing <laughs> he will keep you guessing um don't they just leave mary elizabeth winstead with that like weirdo yes yes they do they leave it <laughs> like she's clearly going to be assaulted by this psycho they trade their friend for a car for a car i forgot <laughs> about that same, yeah, same. oh my god i just 
I saw the movie once. I've been meaning to rewatch Planet Terror for like eight years, man. Yeah. I remember being obsessed with that movie. I loved it as a kid. I remember loving the missing reel thing. Like, mm-hmm. they're about to have a sex scene, and then it's this reel missing, and then the entire <laughs> building is on fire. <laughs> that is a good bit. Um... Yeah, because it feels like, oh, ten minutes gone, there you go, that's a reel. Um, yeah, I, I, last time I saw either of those, I think, was when I saw the double feature in theaters. So fun, with the trailers in between. Oh my god, yeah. the fake trailers are the, probably the best part. I think Amazing. we left and we were like, the trailers were probably better than the movies. <laughs> they were both great, though. Eli Roth, uh, Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> I still want that to be a real movie. And then that's where Machete came from, too, right? Machete yeah. became Machete. a real movie, yeah. Yeah. I've seen. So cool. I, I, uh, there was a red letter media, I think, where there, I saw that there was a. There's that horror Thanksgiving turkey slasher movie, I think. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. Gobbler or something. I, I believe I've probably seen that, actually. <laughs> I, I would not be surprised. Uh, Zach Wojnar says Until recently, my favorite Tarantino was Django Unchained, but. I've had to revise that to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which immediately became one of my favorite movies of all time. Jeez. Maybe I'm just a 60s guy, but he really recreated that whole world that just doesn't exist while telling a story about heroes and villains in a way that is bittersweet, sentimental, morbid, and hopeful all at the same time. I really connect with Tarantino through my dad. Yeah. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was like such a bonding experience with my dad like that is one of my favorite movies of all time i love 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 that movie just settling into that movie it's like a blanket you settle in it settles into a time period better than i think a lot of movies do mm-hmm. um and then it you does. get the ending which is you know his <laughs> hilarious alternate history kind of thing what were you gonna say sir i think that uh it's a weird movie because one of the patrons brought up that they like there's two patron comments i think one was uh, xwf and i can't remember who the other one was maybe maybe it was noah she's like i had no idea what the context of this was so it just seemed like nothing was happening for for three hours Uh, i actually put that uh comment right here noah uh they said um once upon a time in the west was my first tarantino movie but because we're all zoomers me and my friends didn't know who Charles Manson was or what he did, so he spent the entire three-hour runtime wondering what the hell was happening. 9.5 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, it's such a weird movie because it's completely based in your, your own knowledge, knowledge of context. Yeah. And, and like, if you know what the deal is, like, what the real history of the story of... of uh, Charles Manson and the Manson family and yeah, those and murders. murders. Like that entire middle part of that movie is nothing but ratcheting up the tension. Yeah. Like you see her just going along, you know, about her life and you're like this, she is a actual clock ticking down a timer ticking down to yeah. the end of the movie. And you're like the so physical embodiment of, of this person, you know, something terrible happens to you at the end of this movie. Well, and like the, the Brad Pitt scene, like, I wonder how, like, I want to ask Noah what they thought of the the Brad Pitt scene at the ranch or whatever because it's like was there tension for you if you didn't yeah. know that this was a cult like <laughs> uh I think the movie probably puts the tension in cuz it's like things seem weird but yeah without the context I mean even knowing it was the cult I was like Brad Pitt's fine 
Oh, I thought he might. I thought he he's might gonna take bite these it. people. I out. thought he, he might bite it right near there. the end. I was like, "Dude, Brad Pitt, no, Brad Pitt, oh, Brad Pitt." There was a nice. <laughs> there was a nice moment. Uh, again, spoilers, but there was a nice moment when I wasn't sure which version of history we were gonna get out of yep. Once Upon a Time. Totally pleased to get the one that we got, but uh, yeah. And that's that's the thing about a lot of Quentin Tarantino movies in general is that even if you know like the things that he's referencing, even like pop culture references or references from other movies or historical references, you actually never really know what's going to happen until it happens because he is completely (laughs) unconcerned with historical accuracy or accuracy in anything. It's because of its understanding of the events and the undertones of the pop culture references he's making or references to other movies that he is able to like weave those things into his own story and make them his. The first yeah. watch is always so fun because you never know what to expect. And then subsequent, subsequent watches piecing it all together is its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. And seeing the foreshadowing and stuff. Well, it's, it's funny. And uh, Tokyo, I think in your comment in the uh, Patreon post, you said something to this effect, but like, He's he's a remix artist kind of. Like he's he's yeah. he's the girl talk of film, you know. He he's <laughs> taking a lot of influences and and in some cases direct samples from things and remixing them, yeah, in ways that are surprising and fun. And I think there's an interactive element to his films that I maybe is my, maybe my favorite part. Um and and they they involve the audience in in different ways depending like you said on your knowledge of the context especially in his like quote unquote historical films. Uh, but even in Pulp Fiction, just like how well you're following the timeline and, and like the characters and then subsequent rewatches, you know, uh, informs the movie watching Pulp Fiction for the fifth time is way different than watching it for the first time, you know? Uh, all right. Brisket says that they got to see Inglorious Bastards in theater in theaters me and my friend Hunter snuck in. I was like 12 or 13 at the time. We oh were talking God. during the film, of course, and this man ahead of us let us know that he wouldn't rat us out as long as we remained quiet. We didn't talk for the rest of the film. It was great. <laughs> that is an amazing story. I That's so that. funny. I could just picture that guy like turning around. He's like, look, yeah. I know you're not supposed to be in here. So sick. I won't tell anyone if you just be quiet. I'm such an such an old man. I do that kind of stuff all the time. It might as well have been me at this point. <laughs> um, you know, with just like the fact that Inglorious Bastards was like the first movie, and they were thirteen. I'm like, oh my god, I'm so old. Yeah, oh. what year did that come out? I'm trying to think. How old was I when that came Dude, out? That was like mid 2000s, 2008, nine. Oh yeah, I was out of college, but <laughs> if it was that late, um, David Geis says uh, being a big fan of him, you might think. It would be difficult for me to pick a favorite, but it really is not. Pulp Fiction is my favorite by quite a wide margin. I think even if, for whatever reason, you don't like it, you have to agree that it's one of the most influential movies of the last 30 years, and at least among the all-time greats, a true modern must-see movie. Uh, I really like that comment. Yeah, I I like that too. I love that comment. Um, I love that movie. I just love the writing. Just the screenplay of that movie is is next level. It is peak Tarantino. Really, really good. It is infinitely rewatchable. You know, it is in that category for me with, you know, the Terminator 2s and the Back to the Futures and that kind of untouchable 
will stand the test of time forever kind of movie. It's a classic, so, yeah. yeah it's a classic. classic. I, I need to rewatch my, it. It's been a few years. It was my first Tarantino movie. Uh, I watched it, and I, I watched it with my dad. Yes. And he is a... Yes. Well, currently he's much older than this, but like he was like a 65-year-old, mainly Japanese-speaking man at this point. And he, we watched it, and he, I turned it off, and I was like, well, what did you think? And he's like, I didn't understand the damn thing <laughs> they just said. Um, it was like always going to be that's, – that's like my dad, Tarantino. <laughs> um, I, I also have a signed copy of the Pulp Fiction Dude, uh, screenplay nice. from uh, – Samuel Jackson signed it. Oh, nice. I, don't have, I don't have Tarantino's signature. I've never met the man, but uh, that's one of my prized possessions. I always, always love. Uh, so awesome. Love bringing that one out. I quote it with my dad all the time. Somehow, Pulp Fiction always gets quoted <laughs> consistently. <laughs> that's the thing good. with the the dialogue, especially in that movie, is that like a lot of people in the comments brought up his dialogue and the way he writes dialogue. Yeah. It's interesting because every line of dialogue is both uh, subtext, like laden conflict and also like a promise of something interesting coming up. Yeah. You know, like the very beginning of that movie when they're talking about uh, the foot rubs, like you're like, where are they going with this? You know, you find out that, like, you know, Marcellus Wallace threw this guy out a four-story window for, for giving his wife a foot massage. And they're talking about how, like, you know, how foot massages either are or aren't, you know, like uh, an intimate thing. And Samuel Jackson's character is like, it's not a big deal, man. And then Vincent Vega's like, would you give a guy a foot massage? And that was the end, like, like that was the Trump card he played, you know? And you're like, well, I guess it is an intimate thing. And, like, the reason why he's talking about it and asking these questions about Marcellus Wallace's wife is that Marcellus Wallace said, hey, I'm going out of town. Take care of my wife for the evening. Go out and have fun with her or whatever. And he's just, like, freaking out about what he should be doing. Yeah. And, like, that's, like, the intro into that entire section of the movie is, you know, man, if I screw up or if I'm, like, rude to her or she doesn't like me i can get tossed out a window <laughs> you know like and a lot of people don't realize like every single thing in his movies is like explaining the conflict that is about to happen right which is such a fun tactic i guess in in screenwriting and i mean it's a good thing to take note of i mean like i joke i joke have joked before that uh, quentin tarantino is like just a perennial film student uh, which in a lot of ways is true, but also yeah. just like feels like that guy from film school who was trying to be Quentin Tarantino. You know, it's like he just is Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but like, man, Tarantino, that guy's trying to be so Tarantino. He's, he's so Tarantino. If you go to a film school to learn how to do Quentin Tarantino, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. You've got to go work in a video store. Yeah, yeah. You just got to watch a lot of movies and listen to a lot of commentary tracks. Mm-hmm. Um. Cesar Villa says, Inglorious Bastards is his favorite. The tension in all the movie was almost unbearable, only to have it peak at that infernal theater scene where Hitler gets so many bullets directly to the head. Damn. I couldn't Could believe be. my eyes when I watched it. Like, yeah, that was the first... What? Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, that was the first time he, like, 
so brazenly was just like, nah, fuck it. Like, yeah. <laughs> not in my not in my universe. It's like it's maybe wrong. my favorite moment of all of his movies. I mean, how do you top part? that? How do you top that? I'll tell you how you top that with the <laughs> beginning scene of that movie and the bar scene of that movie. Oh, yes. to, to me, like those are Hans two Landa. maybe his best scenes ever. Totally. Uh, uh, and like the rest of the movie is like pretty good, but those two scenes are like triple S tier. Yeah. Uh, and like they're so good that they make the rest of that movie like worse somehow for me like it's weird like the rest of the movie is like an a or b but like those two scenes are just so phenomenally perfect 100 uh, percent agree with you yeah again too like tarantino's penchant for discovering or highlighting heretofore unknown actors you know uh uh christoph waltz yeah was just like languishing in like Germany doing like soap operas and TV stuff. And they had this exhaustive search for uh, a multilingual German, you know, person who could portray the character that, that he wrote for this movie. And if they couldn't find the guy, he Tarantino would just be like, I'm just going to publish this, publish the script and not make the movie. Wow. And they like yeah. they searched for like three months or something. Yeah. And they found him and one for the and, ages. And he's like this brilliant actor. He's now so he's like good. a household name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like I remember too the time that came out. Like I remember hearing, "Oh my God, Tarantino's gonna do a war movie? What? the yeah. Hell? We were all very and confused. <laughs> yeah. And like I remember being like confused, but like so here for it because it's like, wow, if Tarantino is gonna like kill anyone violently let it be nazi scum yeah tarantino unleash well there was a weird rumor i remember a weird rumor before it came out that it was going to like yeah everyone kept saying he's doing a war movie but everyone kept thinking it was going to be like serious and like like saving private ryan or something and everyone was like what what and then it came yeah. out and everyone was like oh, oh okay all right well, it's also almost not a war movie. It's yeah. it's a revenge movie totally. set during World War II. Totally. But it's, it really has very little to do with the actual war. It's about, you know, the, the, the woman who's getting revenge against the SS for murdering her whole family. And Brad Pitt's character, like, you know, essentially just going ham on a bunch of, you know, officers he's finding in the woods and just like murdering them all the bear plus, jew hype plus he, he i i think about brad pitt saying gorlami like <laughs> like all the time i think about that like weekly if you rewatch that scene too there's a lot like a subtext that people miss on their first watching oh, yeah? um gorlami. like um, on a first watching you think that that uh hans landa is like kind of testing them to find out whether or not right you know, he knows from the second he yeah, sees he them from the balcony, and he is mocking them the entire conversation. Right, and he knows who they are, and like he knows they're spies, and he is just like because the one guy says his name correctly, he's like, "Good job, good for you." you know? <laughs> like he is just making fun of these people, like for for how bad a spies they are. Well, and that's like there's like a meta part to that too, because yeah, on your first watching, like. I think Tarantino aims a lot of his stuff maybe at American audiences specifically, but, like, he probably was, like, 
you dopes in the American audience are going to just be like, yeah, they're getting away with it. Like our badass heroes, you know? And it's like, nah, yeah, nah. <laughs> no. Uh, Varun Kachwaha says favorite uh, film is Kill Bill. It's just a film you can watch again and again. And I think the action in the film is the best that he's directed. And the characters are so memorable, memorable. Project DAD says Django, even though I didn't see Jam- didn't need to see Jamie Foxx dangle his own Django. <laughs> uh, I the don't bride is it. the bride is probably my favorite Tarantino character. If we're talking about characters, ah. the bride is love Beatrix Kiddo, dude. Let's oh yeah, go. she's good. I'm not gonna it's bleep that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> another very revenge-heavy movie. Yep, and well, it's. it's it, a lot of his movies are yeah. very revenge. Yeah, a lot of them are. The thing is, is, Kill Bill has always been really weird to me because, like, on its surface, it's like his kind of love letter to Chinese martial arts movies and cinema, but it's basically a straight up Western. Yeah. And it's like the fusion of those two was, you know, at that point in time, was like, you know, what are you, like, what is this, you know? Why are you playing Sergio Leone over a you know a, a katana fight? Right. You know, like what is happening right now? Which makes then, makes more sense because uh, someone brought it up in the comments, but he he brought Sukiyaki Western to uh, Django to mm-hmm. uh, America or he like did. put it out, yeah. Which was a fun movie. I thought it was cool. Yeah. On speaking of that, I want to kind of segue briefly into this. Uh, amongst his many. Um, forays into pop culture. He has brought more foreign cinema into the U.S. or the North American market than than pretty much anybody else I know of. Like uh, was Rolling Rolling Thunder is his was his label under uh, Miramax. Oh. Uh, they they brought over uh, uh, Wong Kar Wai's Chungking Express. They brought over uh, Lucio Fulci's uh, uh, zo- uh, Zombie, I think. Um, and then, like a bunch, uh, uh, Sonentine came over for the first time. Nice, it's a good one. Um, you know, like he basically, like in the early nine, early to mid nineties, introduced America to Wong Kar Wai. Yeah, you know, and like just because he respected that cinema and was familiar enough with it to like say, hey, this will this will play in the U.S. Like people will like this movie. I'm going to bring this over and Miramax. I can go off on a tangent, what I won't, but like, <laughs> uh, regardless of any of the horrific things that Harvey Weinstein did. Yeah. Putting Quentin Tarantino in charge of his own division and saying, you have free reign to bring pop culture that you love into our culture from other cultures was was a thing that uh, I will always respect Quentin Tarantino for. Yeah. Specifically, because I checked out Chunking Express for the first time from a video store, and it, it was a Rolling Thunder, you know, uh, released film. And Did that like, one have the uh, Quentin Tarantino Presents in it front did. of it? Because I did. remember a lot of, yeah. yeah, a lot of those had that. Yeah, like Detroit 9000 also, which is uh, kind of a forgotten American cinema. And then uh, there's a, like a whole bunch of them. Like he was just responsible for just like unleashing all of this stuff that he loved on, on America. And it was, 
you know, that's that's one of the ways in which he's influenced pop culture and art in, in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, Film preservation. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I haven't been to the New Beverly, actually, which is kind of a shame because I've lived in L.A. for not, almost 10 years, but I need to I've go been, over there. I've been like four times. It's a weird theater. It's kind of like a it's an offset seating. So like oh. the center the center row is like a little offset and then like I think it's the far right hand row is like you're way off to the side and then the left hand side <laughs> is like I don't know. It's a weird it's a weird setup. I saw some very strange movies there. <laughs> if uh once the quarantine is over, I think I'm gonna sign up for the Alamo Draft House subscription nice. thing. I wish there was one up here. That just seems like so much fun. Yeah. Anyway, let's try to get through these real quick here. Yes. Uh, sorry, sorry about that. Oh no, this is all great. I'm just uh, how many we got? We're I want to get it? everybody in. Um, Colt Smith uh, favorite is True Romance and Inglorious Bastards. Uh, True Romance because it's a wonderfully written character study. Brad Pitt is the best uses Brad Pitt in the best way possible, and Val Kilmer has a cameo. Uh, Bastards, just because it sets your soul on fire with action, character, drama, ridiculous gore, and killing Nazis. What more can you want? Colin Goodspeed. Uh, that name makes me think. What what movie does that the name? Good Speed. The Rock. <laughs> you know Body your name means that, Godspeed. Uh, Body can vaporize. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> the Rock, dude. What a stupid. I love that movie. Um, Colin Goodspeed. Uh, the Tarantino film I return to most is *Inglorious Bastards*. It's I think it's a masterwork. Uh, sorry, I'm gonna truncate these a little more. Mark Varley says uh, Jackie Brown, his most mature film is. with better, more complex characterization and violence that doesn't satisfy gorehounds, but ultimately seems more shocking. Dude, I the s- De Niro parking lot scene. All I'm gonna say. Oh all yeah. Say. I uh I have a special place in my heart for Robert Forster because. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, Max friend, Cherry, dude. I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, Max dude. Cherry. My friend uh, Elric and I, who I haven't seen Elric in a few years, but I edited a short film with him. Uh, he directed it um, called Tender. Check it out. But uh, I think he might have met Quarantino. He might know Tarantino, actually, now that I think about it. But uh, we used to go eat at this place called The Silver Spoon in West Hollywood, which was apparently Robert Forrester's like, hangout. He was there like every time. Just and no one ever bothered him. He was just there, like reading stuff. Oh, <laughs> it's so awesome. Jolly. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, Love Max Cherry. Max Cherry. Uh, yeah. Darren Misfood, Mifsud, uh, Kill Bill, Epic. The, there's a grandeur in that movie that manages to have fun with itself. XWF Outlaw. Favorite is Inglorious Bastards. Hands down, Hanslanda. Hanslanda, I suppose. Is one of, if not the... Oh, Bender keeps tooting right next to me. Bender, what did you eat? Um, yeah, I forgot where I was. Uh, and then I'll, I'll rip through these least favorites real quick, because then I want to hear your collated... Uh, Collating. The, the, the collation. Noah, uh, they said, um, I have weird feelings about Inglorious Bastards, but I think it's... I, I just find most movies or TV about Nazism or the Holocaust pretty uncomfortable... Uh, that's a whole other thing. Uh, <laughs> but they don't think that Tintin Quisicottle is their style. <laughs> Which, hey, no sweat. Katie Garza, I'm not a fan of Hateful Eight. By far the least favorite of his films. Zach Wojnar, uh, haven't seen it since I saw it in 70mm in the theater, but Hateful Eight didn't gel with me. 
uh, Project Dad from Dusk Till Dawn, which he's just in and maybe produced. I think he might have co-written it with... Possibly. Robert Rodriguez and him are Robert like, Rodriguez, yeah. They're like, you know, thick as thieves. They, they, Two peas in a pod. Sometimes they, uh, they stand in for each other. Yeah. Uncredited and you never I, really know. I, uh, yeah, I... I count it as like yeah his like B squad uh, yeah. part of movies, but uh, I love that movie, man. <laughs> the, the scene in, in Pulp Fiction that Tarantino's acting in was directed by Rodriguez. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, the I think I've told the story before, but um, From Dust Till Dawn was the example that my screenwriting teacher in back in film school used to be like don't do this. Like it sets up all this stuff and then just abandons it. And then I was like, I I was just like, yo, sometimes you just go in the wrong bar, man. (laughs) That's the good part of the movie. That happens. Like that's the best part of that movie. It just is shocking because it lets it go. Uh, Jacob Parker says Django Unchained couldn't handle a single frame of that movie. Just wanted it to end. Mark Varley least favorite is death proof easily by a country mile. Uh, David Geis hateful eight least favorite. Caesar via Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm sorry, I'm that guy. The movie just felt so long, boring, and empty. The only tense scene was Brad Pitt at the ranch, and then nothing happens. The ending cannot redeem it. That Sharon Tate event has caused me so much sadness since I first found out about it that I almost feel Tarantino mocked it by having his characters being attacked and kill the perpetrators like that. It was... uh, I was, like, trepidatious going into that movie because, like, Back in school, we read about that stuff and, like, you know, I think Easy Riders or whatever that book was. uh, And, and like, yeah, I knew all about it, like, the ins and outs, you know? And then, like, Polanski being such a monster or whatever, it's just, like, yeah, I was, like, is this too sensitive to to make a movie about? And for me... Right. For me, like, at the end of the day, I think Once Upon a Time... Uh, like, it's so clear that he's, um, like, making a caricature of it and, like, making a, an alternate history that he wishes happened. Like, it's clear that he loves, like, Sharon Tate's story and, like, respects it, you know? Yeah, he, like, brought the sister in, if I'm remembering correctly, yeah. and initially the sister was, like, not into it, and then Tarantino, like, met with her. Which is weird because that, to me, highlights even further the the biggest glaring problem with Once Upon a Time is the treatment of uh, of Bruce Lee. Because I think that he does him dirty, man. I think he does him dirty in that movie. Totally. My knee-jerk reaction to that being also a huge Bruce Lee fan and mm-hmm. living, you know, several miles from where he and, and Brandon are buried. Yeah. Oh, uh, wow. Like, I visit them kind of like once a year just leave some flowers or whatever but like i think that a lot of a lot of bruce lee is rightfully like mythologized yeah and kind of heightened i think that like the real person he was is something that you can only learn from the people who were closest to him and will tell his story to you i think a lot of what happened in inglorious bastards did do him dirty but i think it was also clearly like a heightened um like a fantasy version of the 1960s or whatever anyway yeah uh you know and it was like clearly like once upon a time in is a the start of a of a fantasy 
right? Right, right. You know, and while I disagree with, like, I don't believe that is an accurate portrayal of like what Bruce Lee was actually like on set. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like split hairs over it because it's it serves the point of the story to where you like you have to understand that uh, Cliff Booth or whatever his name is the the stuntman that yeah, I think that's plays, right yeah that he is essentially kind of on the same level as Bruce Lee and the like physically you know right like you have to understand that in order for the rest of the movie to kind of make sense yeah it, it the the utility of him beating up bruce right. lee in that scene is to sell the end of the movie right for sure so and it's it like, makes sense that way and it's a story based decision and while i didn't like it immediately upon watching i've rewatched it since and i'm like i don't really have a problem with it, it just, i would just kind of wish it didn't happen but yeah. like since yeah. it did I mean, happen i like, read it i read it whatever. like tarantino clearly thinks bruce lee is a fraud and that's why he did it because if he didn't think he was a fraud there's a way to take away the exact same thing from that scene and that's make Brad Pitt seem like a badass right if you're going toe to toe in a tie versus bruce lee you're a badass right so, like, they could have easily tied, and it would have been like, holy shit, Brad Pitt can, like, fight Bruce Lee? Whoa. If you go back and rewatch it, Huber, <laughs> that's what happens, is it ends in a tie. The first yeah. the first interaction between them... Because he's taking him for granted a little bit. You know, sure. ends up Underestimating with him, yeah. Bruce Lee kicking him, and then the second one, he goes... He does it again, He and Cliff Booth throws him into the cool. car, and they're about to do the third, you know, the tiebreaker, right. and they get interrupted. So, it essentially, was a tie. Nice. Okay, well, I think I think what the 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 reason it doesn't feel like a tie though is the dialogue because it like right. it makes Bruce Lee look kind of like a fool, right? Mm-hmm. And he, I, I heard he definitely someone, comes off that way. I heard someone say that uh, Bruce Lee like had to talk a big game to like kind of as part of like making it, you know, at that period in time. Like you got to you got to talk yourself up because no one else is going to do it, kind of. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know how. Yeah, I don't really know. Yeah, how true it's, any of that is. It's impossible to say. Like he was always getting challenged to fights and stuff. Oh, I bet. And you know, who, who knows how he dealt with that? Like I, you know, like somebody comes up to you and starts talking a bunch of crap and like you know, whatever Cato or you know whatever. Yeah. Like, how 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 would how would he react to that? Nobody really knows. And this is obviously an interpretation of that. I think that you know he did come off as kind of a dick, like, yeah, you know, full of himself or whatever. But, you know, again, I'm not like super mad about it. I'm- and the, the line, the line that they used in the trailer is a pretty funny line. Like when he says like, my, my hands are classified as weapons. If I, if I get in a fight and accidentally kill a man, I go to jail. And then Brad Pitt's like, anybody kills somebody in a fight, they go to jail. It's called manslaughter. Yeah. All right, so we've heard the favorites and the least favorites, and you collated a rough list. I did. What What, uh, what are the patrons' rough fa- ranking of the movies, by All your right. estimation? Huber, prepare to be disappointed. Inglorious <laughs> uh, Bastards number one, right? is number one. Yeah, which is which is a weird one for me. It's not you know it's not my personal favorite. I think it has two of the best scenes in a Tarantino movie. I love, like, like you said, Ian. I love the the opening scene, and I love the the bar scene. Or yeah, masterful. Yeah. Um, Kill Bill. I 
flimped them all together because some people didn't, some people didn't. But like, yeah. if you like the first one and don't like, hate the second one, you, and you didn't say you hated the second one, it's I, I counted them all together. Kill Bill's number two. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, number three. Wow. And then there's a three-way tie. Uh, Jackie Brown, Pulp Fiction, and True Romance. Huh. Um, I did not count my own personal True Romance vote on this list because I knew I was going to be doing this, so my list will be later. Yeah. Um, And it is not on my list because I don't count it as a uh, Quentin Tarantino movie. So there you go. For our list, we did directed by only. Yeah. Where's uh, Reservoir Dogs on our list? Uh, later. <laughs> Django Unchained uh, is next. Then Death Proof. Wow. Um, Above Reservoir Dogs? <laughs> Above <laughs> Reservoir Dogs? How is this possible? How is this possible? <laughs> Who wrote this list? <laughs> the patrons. Collated from the patrons. And, like, the, the methodology was, is, like, the ones that people voted for are very high, the ones that people have voted against subtracted votes mm, from yeah, those yeah, ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. The uh, ones that no nobody voted for are kind of in the middle, and the ones that people hate are at the bottom. Uh-huh. So just to explain that. Um, let's say Death Proof was the last one. Then we have a four-way tie. Uh, Reservoir Dogs, Four Rooms, Natural Born Killers, Sin City. None of those uh, except Reservoir Dogs to me counts. Um, yeah. And then... From Dust Till Dawn, second to last, and The Hateful Eight is the most disliked Tarantino movie. Yeah. So, Huber, you thought it'd be Pulp Fiction at the top, and which one at the bottom? Death Proof? Maybe I said Django. I thought I think you said Death Proof. I think you said Death Proof. Yeah. Death Proof, I did say Death Proof. Yeah, 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 yeah. Death Proof was at the middle of the pack. The fulcrum. Dang. Dude, uh, Reservoir Dogs that low. I'm pretty shocked. I think a lot of people haven't seen it. I think it's... Yeah. Old enough that where people haven't seen it. Dude, that is a sick movie. It's it, pretty gnar it, it is a cool ass hard boiled crime thriller. And if you watch it and <laughs> like it, then go watch Ringo Lamb's City on Fire. City nice. on Fire! Fire! Uh, oh, the inspiration. Yeah. yeah. Well, part of it is the inspiration. Like the second half of the movie is the inspiration for it. The first half is the- Tarantino's like. I don't need to even do this part of the movie. <laughs> I'm just going to skip it. I didn't even know about that one. Uh, He's like, why show the bank robbery? It's pointless. <laughs> sure. Um, all right. So before we get to our heist. own lists, what'd you say, Huber? I love a good jewelry heist. Yeah, you do. What was that movie that we watched? Um, that you had me, I had to like buy the Blu-ray for it. Uh, it has like a funny name. It was a heist movie. Oh my God. Rafifi. Rafifi, yeah. Dude. Rafifi is excellent. Yeah, Rafifi was very good. Uh, Might be streaming on the Criterion Network. Probably, yeah. Where was that when I had to import a Blu-ray to watch that thing for Hubie Hubie Boy? (laughs) Uh, Before we get to our own personal list, I had just a couple of other little quick questions that I thought might be interesting. Uh, I want to talk about how time has impacted his work. Like, does his stuff age well or not? Um... Some some comments here to springboard off of. Vrun Kachwaha says, I think time has, has and will impact his work favorably. The more time passes between films, the more I see those films being praised. It's a unique talent. His is a unique talent who makes 
very stylistic films with a signature flair. Very few filmmakers have that going for them. And I think when he does retire, his films will be missed that much more. Uh, Mark Varley... uh, Ian, I feel feel like they're, they're timeless movies because they exist in the Tarantino realm of time. Yeah. Like, when you jump into his movies, it's like... You're watching a Tarantino movie. You're not watching a movie from the 90s or the 2000s. Or... Well, it's funny because uh, Project Dad says, uh, most of the time I feel like they're 90s movies, no matter when they were made. Um, <laughs> but it is, you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Hubert, because uh, that's kind of the reason I asked this question was, I think that Tarantino messes with time on purpose and makes his movies feel like, I mean, even the ones that are period pieces, I think, feel like they take place out of time in some weird way sometimes. Um, like, when does Kill Bill take place? I don't know. Like, uh, and Inglorious Bastards is definitely more modern than 40s, you know? And uh, even uh, Once, Upon a, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood maybe is his most, like, faithfully in a period movie. Um but yeah, I don't know. I just think that's an interesting aspect of his stuff where they do feel like they're kind of out of out anachronistic, like out of time and place. One reason why a lot of people think that they're they all feel like nineties movies too is the fact that when Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction came out, immediately spawned dozens and dozens of copycat movies. The entire nineties was copying Tarantino, yeah. yeah. Two Days in the Valley, like yeah. you know, reindeer games or whatever. Like everything is Tarantino esque. It's uh, like you know Tarantino is to the nineties as the Matrix is to the early two thousands. Right. You remember when Tony Stark calls Loki reindeer games? Yes. <laughs> it's my favorite burn. <laughs> you remember when Ezekiel twenty five seventeen is on uh on the tombstone for uh, Fury, Nick Fury, <laughs> yeah, twenty-five seventeen, dude. That's funny. I never realized that. That's that's really yeah. funny. So many, so many Tarantino references in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, they're all fans. What's my hair doing? Being awesome. <laughs> it just it just keeps growing taller and taller as the uh, as the day goes on. Uh, something about your doing that to your hair made me think of uh, Mystery Train for some reason because that guy always like slicks his hair back right I don't know whatever I don't know why I'd, I was looking at that movie on Criterion Collection last I night I love a good slicked back hair villain well he, yeah have you seen Mystery Train Heber you would like no. that movie I've never ha- seen it have you seen that Tokyo Slim uh, Jim Jarmusch movie oh yeah, I think I did because I watched like all of the Jarmusch movies at one whatever. I think when was it? Um, not coffee and cigarettes, but the the one with Bill Murray, Broken Flowers, came out. Oh, I yeah. watched like all the Jarmusch movies. Yeah, and I realized that I hate Jim Jarmusch movies. <laughs> I love Mystery Train. Uh, the Dead Don't Die is garbage yeah it's a horrible horrible film i actually did see that at the film festival last year and i was kind of excited for it because i love everybody who's in that movie yeah and then i realized that everybody who's in that movie is just kind of phoning it in well the whole script was (laughs) whatever whatever um i think i've actually talked about that movie on here before (laughs) i think we are everyone good 
Uh, I haven't. That's one of the few Jarmusch movies I haven't seen, but I've heard it's really good. Patterson. I love, I, think it's cool. I love the premise. I love yeah. a good melancholic, sad man. Poetry, poetry, <laughs> reading bus driver. I think. I think Jar. I think uh, Adam Driver is the best part of Dead Don't Die. I think oh yeah. His constant breaking of the fourth wall and like the weird song thing on the radio is like pretty much the only interesting part of that movie. It just felt very whatever. It doesn't matter. But uh, I love Jim Jarmusch. <laughs> But uh, I love Adam Driver. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what are some common threads amongst Quentin Tarantino? Uh, revenge. Gotta, yeah, revenge, alt history. Uh, Shocking violence. Would you kindly list that out a lot? Trunk POV, corpse POV, God's POV, tracking sneeze, three sixty sneeze. <laughs> Black and white. I'm not sure what they, he means by that. Three sixty sneeze. I'm, I'm gonna be honest. That entire comment, like baffled me a little bit like, <laughs> i'm not sure Feet. he was topically in the same room as any of the rest of us well and i, I love and i love that yeah i loved it i think because the the way i wrote i was in a real weird place when i wrote this prompt it's mostly nonsense so i think he was playing along they were just playing right. along with that but uh <laughs> definitely feet is a through line dance torture mexican standoffs def uh definition opener oh just like a big time opener big kahuna burger red apple cigarettes of course and names um i didn't say that jacob parker is the one who t mentioned all history uh alexander zirinov uh just the dialogue is really great and uh, project dad humanity and what it's capable of definitely a through line all right before we get to the what else do we talk about and the quote challenge to finish things up here uh let's give our lists our own personal lists um, who wants to go first? Tokyo Slim, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, I will go 10 to 1. Okay. Makes sense? Yeah. Worst to best. Worst to best. Hateful Eight. Uh, I think a lot of the reason I don't like the Hateful Eight is because of outside influences, things out of the control of Tarantino. I saw it in 70 millimeter the weekend after I saw The Revenant in 70 millimeter and... I thought that I, I was still thinking about the Revenant the entire time I was watching mm -hmm. that movie. Yeah. And it just fell way short for me of anything I was expecting or hoping that it would be. It's like 70 millimeter, but the entire thing takes place in like one cabin. So you're like the, the opening is, you know, panoramic and beautiful for like five minutes. And then you're in this room for the rest of the, the yeah. movie. And I'm like, uh, is it not what I wanted? Is it true that it was conceived as a play? Is that real? I don't know yes. for sure. Yeah. Hateful yes. Eight was? Yes. Okay, yeah. I mean, that shows. It makes yeah. sense. Uh, then my uh, second least favorite is Death Proof. I think that structurally it suffers for me because you start the movie, you go 20 minutes in, that movie ends, and then you start it over again. Um, the original, the, like the original five girls are all dead. And then you start over with a new five girls and you kind of like, I get why he did that, but he's just, trying to it, pull a psycho. <laughs> yeah. It's just clumsily done. And I, again, I don't like the whole, like trading your friend in for a car kind of deal yeah. never really sat well with me. Even, even when I was way less, uh, woke than I, than I am now, you know, even as like a, as a sexist teenager or whatever, I was like or whenever that movie came out, I was like, hey, that 
isn't cool. They traded yeah. their friend for a car to an obvious like monster man. I will say that Zoe Bell, the stunt woman turned oh, actress, my God, yeah. is amazing in that. And that whole chase is awesome. Yeah, the the clinging on the roof of, or the hood yeah. of the cars, it's going like they're they're going at speed, and I uh, I really like that stuff. That was great. Um, after that, I think. Uh, Inglorious Bastards is my third least favorite, hmm. and like I, like I said earlier, while I really love certain scenes in that movie, I think as a whole, I think it's that's it just suffers as a whole for me. Um, then Kill Bill, uh, and I, I like a lot of Kill Bill, and there's some parts of Kill Bill that I think are just okay. Like the the buried alive part is not really my thing. Yeah, uh, that seemed like it went on for too long to me. I don't know. It was just, it was all right. And um, uh, let's see. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, kind of in the middle of the pack for me. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I think it is real long. I think that it does require you to have certain contextual knowledge that some people just don't have. And I think that's kind of a shortcoming of the movie in a way. Or I guess, I mean, in some cases not, but like, I think that it asks of you to know certain things about history. Um, Reservoir Dogs. Um, for our first film, that's it's it doesn't really get much better than that. Yeah. The, the level of acting, you know, the talent that he assembled for, for all of his movies is really like, it, it all starts there. You know, you got Keitel been in several of his movies you got you know Buscemi you got shout out to his casting director yeah, oh, yeah. straight up Michael Madsen you got everybody like th- that whole the whole casting of all of his movies is outstanding and that's like kind of where he just cemented that it was going to be one of his things uh, Pulp Fiction is uh, great it is a great film uh it's you can literally teach a college course on how many you know references to older films psycho you know uh you know fellini eight and a half uh you know like the the movie is jam-packed with references that unless you are a serious you know video store nerd you you might miss a lot of them uh even even if you are you might miss some of them yeah uh, the soundtrack is one of the all-time greats. You know, I don't really mince any words saying that. Um, Uma Thurman is amazing. It resurrected John Travolta's career, which could be a you know positive or negative depending <laughs> on, on how you think about the rest of his career. Uh, but at the time, that was a great performance from John Travolta. Yeah. Um, the like. I don't know that one of my personal favorites, but not my all-time favorite. My all-time favorite Quentin Tarantino movie that he directed is Jackie Brown. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that, uh, well, this is the deals. Pam Greer was supposed to be in Pulp Fiction uh, as the, the dealer's wife uh, that Rosanna, I think Rosanna Arquette played, um, you know, Jody with all the shit in her face or whatever. Um, and Tarantino like wanted to cast her for that, but then realized that she's 
not the kind of person that would be like pushed around or like yelled at in the scene, believably, because she's a very imposing figure. Yeah. Rears, like she's a she's a, a, a you know, I don't want to say like a lot of women because that sounds like <laughs> you know a negative thing, but she is a she is a handful of women right there. You know, like you do not push Pam Greer around in a scene where you know like she's in your way. You don't like shove her out of the way. She shoves you out of the way. Yeah. Um, and so Tarantino's like, I'm going to make a movie for you. And Jackie Brown was that movie. And he, he kept in contact with her for years after Pulp Fiction. And uh, she didn't believe that he was writing a movie for him until she got the script. She thought he was messing with her. <laughs> and uh, it's such kind of an understated, low-key movie, but also like a lot of the things that I hold dear and a lot of things I know Huber likes, uh, it's a heist movie, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's like a, when I was like, who's got the thing, the thing is here, the thing is there. You don't actually know like who's got the money. You don't know how the plot's going to come together um, until it's over. You don't know like the full extent of it. It's like, I love all of that. Um, I think that Robert De Niro gives a fantastic performance as kind of an idiot. <laughs> and it's a role that you don't see him playing a lot of. Yeah. Um, he is just kind of a dunce in this movie. And I love that performance. And he, this is kind of like the last thing he did before he started playing Robert De Niro in all of these right, movies. Right. You know, like it was great. That was a great film. Uh, and that's my favorite. I, uh, I actually met Pam Greer one time. At, back at theater school, I think. And yeah, she was very imposing, but super nice. Yeah. She was so nice. Uh, so it made that movie even more special to me. Uh, Huber, do you have yours? Do you know? Sure, yeah. The bottom is death proof. Actually, you know what? I want to start from the top because I love legit every single one of Tarantino's movies. Um, he's one of the very few directors where I love legitimately every single one of his movies, even the ones on the very bottom. Uh, number one, Pulp Fiction, hands down. Just a timeless classic that is infinitely rewatchable, as I said earlier. Uh, just the, the script, the characters, the entire, like, 40 minutes of Travolta and Uma Thurman in the middle of the movie. Yeah. Just mesmerizing. Mesmerizing. Transport, transportive. Uh, number two has got to be Kill Bill. Um, I bridge them together. Yeah, I'm surprised uh, that's number two. Wow. Yeah, Uma Thurman in that, and I just love the journey. You know, the anime vibes. Um, I love the I love a good faction. You know, her like going for revenge against against each character. Like I just love that setup. Um, number three, Inglorious Bastards. His modern masterpiece, his, like, probably, I think it's his second best movie to Pulp Fiction, but it's my third favorite. Um, Sure. Just, like you were saying earlier, just incredible couple of those scenes. Um, Next would be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I love this movie. I love the feeling of this movie. Not very many movies can fully take me inside of them into its warm bosom. (laughs) And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood does that. 
I don't know why I knew you were going to say warm bosom right there, but I, I knew you were going to say warm bosom. Um, then next is Reservoir Dogs. Love this movie. Just raw and gritty in every sense of the word. You know, it is really fun checking out master filmmakers origins you know you yeah. go back and again you watch chronos or devil's backbone with guillermo you watch memento from from nolan yeah. just when you give these masters no budget and all they have is their passion magic happens uh next up jackie brown love 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 this movie too this is a also a movie just that you can really settle into um can be slow at parts admittedly but that's not a criticism i think there's a beauty in the slowness to jackie brown yeah um and then all i have left is hateful eight uh, yep hateful eight and then death proof i don't think you mentioned django django above hateful eight and then hateful eight and then death proof yeah Django, Django, Hateful Eight. I don't, I don't know that I mentioned Django either. I somehow skipped it. I think Django's right above Inglorious Bastards for me. Nice. Uh, okay, I'll Candy start. Lane. Leo, shout out. <laughs> shout out to Leo being a creep. I'll, uh, I guess I'll start at the top too because I think the end is more surprising than the beginning. Uh, <laughs> so my favorite Tarantino, in my case, because uh, yes. it's it basically mirrors Huber. My favorite is Pulp Fiction. Um, followed by Jackie Brown. There's like tied almost, like close, nice. close, close. Uh, then Reservoir Dogs. Then maybe a little bit of like the, for me, the spacing, like Huber, I feel like your list is grouped all toward number one, you know? For me, like if it's on a hundred point scale, you know, like Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown are like a hundred. <laughs> Reservoir Dogs is like 90. Uh, then there's a golf, like at like 80 is Inglorious Bastards. Um, almost entirely bolstered by those two scenes. I just think they're so <laughs> phenomenally good. Um, then I kept switching back and forth, so they're probably both around 75, 60, 70. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and then Kill Bills 1 and 2. Uh, Surprised you don't like Kill Bill as much. I totally thought you'd love that one. I, I mean, I really, really like Kill Bill, and I had it I had it above Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and then I put it below Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, so they keep... They're, they're jockeying for fourth <laughs> or fifth. Uh, yeah. But it's just been a long time since I've seen Kill Bill, and I only saw Hollywood once. So probably they're... If I watched Kill Bill again, I think it would be above Hollywood. Uh, then there's a pretty wide gulf. We're probably down into the 40s. Uh, Death Proof uh, is fun, but kind of, you know. And I to me, it, like, it even feels like he was just kind of like, we're making schlock on purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Planet Terror is so damn good. And Planet Terror was just the better of the two, yeah. God. In theaters? I can't remember which one was first. I think it went Planet Death Proof. Terror. Planet, Planet, Planet Terror. Terror was yeah. first? Yeah, yeah. Right, that didn't help Death Proof either. No. Um, no. Death Proof should have been first because it's slower, too. Because it's worse, yeah. yeah. Uh, Hateful Eight is my second least favorite, uh, probably down at like a th- 35. Uh, oh. And uh, on, the, on the scale of his yeah. movies, I'm not saying yeah. it's yeah. like a 3 out of 10. That's not what I mean. Um, probably like a 4 out of 10. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, there are so many beautiful things in this movie. The soundtrack was just phenomenal. Yes. Um, finally got to actually work with uh, Morricone. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and it was great. Uh, but yeah. Shout out to dreams coming true, right? Yeah, yeah. But it that just opening, like. That opening number. It just felt. Well, and the, the overture. Yeah, the overture yeah. and the, the intermission were so good. But. um. It just, it was too long, man. And it just like, I don't know. It was just kind of whatever. And then I, I don't know. I only saw it once. I've seen the end shootout a couple of times. Like, I have a problem with Django. Like, I've seen the original Django, you know, and I really mm-hmm. liked that. You know, Dragon, have you ever seen that, Huber? You'd love that movie. No, I have not seen oh, any dude. of that. Oh, dude. Dragging a coffin. A, dragging a coffin around the whole movie. It's amazing. <laughs> so um, cool. I mean, obviously, Django Unchained has almost nothing to do with the original Django's kind of. He's in it, though. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. is? Yeah. Yeah, he, at him the bar, at, right? at the bar. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The my, He's like, I know. <laughs> my main uh, problem, I think, with Django Unchained is... I think some of the other like slave characters are caricaturized like too heavily and I'm not sure to what end. And then also I just think that he's not an active hero, Django, until the end he doesn't do anything. He's just following Christoph Waltz around and it's really really weird to have this liberation movie just be these two white guys movie for 95% of it until he comes out at the end and like does and i mean maybe that's the point where it's like even this movie like the representation is wrong i don't know i don't know but like and i only saw it the once so maybe my maybe i'm off base my memory of it is wrong but like that was just my takeaway that like django himself feels reactive instead of active until the very end which i wish that it had been his story hmm. kind of, you know, i is my I memory think, wrong? I think it, I, I, don't, I don't want to say it's wrong. Just saying that, like you haven't seen it in a long time, and yeah, m- maybe you're not remembering. But the pro- the main problem with Django Unchained is that the third act just keeps going for another hour. Yeah, after it should have ended, the shootout I think you're talking about is a shootout in the mansion, right? When he shoots everyone at the house at the end, yeah, right. That's like an hour from the end. Really. Yeah, it's like closer to the like beginning of the third act, and it's weird. Really? Yeah, it's weird because you got all that like the, you got like the whole part where Quentin Tarantino's in it as like the slave or whatever the yeah. Australian. The, that oh, whole right. thing happens in like the That's end of the movie. after that. Yeah. Oh my so, god, man! I haven't seen that movie in a yeah, while. My memory is all been skewed. A minute. While I agree that he is passive at the beginning of the movie, it's completely on purpose. And I think that if you look at it as if it's a superhero origin movie, okay, then it makes more sense to you because what happens is he is oppressed in the beginning of the movie. He is a right. slave and he doesn't even consider the fact that he could have any agency. And the entire first act of the movie and into the second act is Christoph Waltz teaching him to take his own agency back from the slaveholders and the white people who are oppressing him. The moment, my favorite moment in that movie is the moment where he shows up at like the orchard, wherever the slave quarters are, dressed in his blue, right, like whatever, like silk suit. 
he is that is his 100% superhero coming out moment the pose he's in he's like standing like a superhero and he wrecks shop and he kills the uh three brothers the I don't remember their names yeah and he he whips the hell out of that one the, the third brother and that specific scene is directly in reference to the end of roots roots yeah and it, Tarantino says like the end of roots like broke me like I wanted I wanted the guy to to whip the slaveholder so bad and when he didn't I felt like I was cheated because that revenge is deserved yeah you know that come up and just deserved at that point and saying like oh I'm if I whip you I'm I'm going to be just like no you're not like that is like you taking back your agency and taking your 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 own identity back by force that's the actual point in the movie where where Django becomes like a an actual like where he's fully formed <laughs> he becomes unchained in, in that moment and that's not the end of the movie right the end of the movie is like not good right it should have ended during the house shootout right it it just didn't and like i guess i guess my main i guess my memory was polluted by the by two things i guess it's the fact that Christoph Waltz is the one who like teaches him or gives him permission right. to rebel. Like I thought that that should have co- not come from Christoph Waltz, you know, it should have come from within. Uh, and also Christoph Waltz, I mean, it's a character flaw, but just like him losing his cool at the candy ranch or whatever, the mansion and starting all that, like causing the whole ending. And I'm just like, I'm just like, dude, you're going to, he just had no chill in that moment, which I know is yeah. like a character thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, hearing you talk about it, I got to give that movie another shake. But uh, it's it's definitely a flawed film. Um, but man, like, let's talk about like you know satisfying you know satisfying moments. You know, uh, Christoph Waltz is like got the rifle. He's like, is who is that guy? He's like, that's the third brother. Is are you positive? He's like, I don't know you don't know whether you're positive i don't know what positive means uh, like oh are you are you sure that's the guy it's like oh yeah that's the guy and then she shoots him and he falls off the horse <laughs> like you have to realize like during that you know like that part of point in time like a person who started out a slave like Django doesn't know how to read doesn't have a huge vocabulary doesn't sure. have any agency at all he is a commodity you know essentially and that's the horror the horror of slavery was uh, he wasn't even a person in the beginning of that movie, he was just a tool that people were using to farm. And I guess the, the film treating him like that and making him a, 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 not an active participant is very on purpose in that, in that way then. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. You've convinced me. I'll bump it above hateful eight. Don't let me convince you. Go, go watch it for yourself and (laughs) and make up your own mind. Well, yeah, I've got to do that eventually. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's just my take. None of his movies, I'd say, are like you know, bad, like garbage. Right. Uh, probably. Uh, all right. Little quick wrap up stuff. I asked if there was anything else they'd like us to talk about. XWF Outlaw wanted to give a shout out to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Watching it for the first time, I was enjoying the movie so much. It wasn't until the last thirty minutes of the movie that I remembered I was watching a Quentin Tarantino film. The complete opposite to the way I felt about Django, but not in a bad way. I appreciate the restraint to not make this another splatterfest and trying something different. 
than what he has been pigeonholed into, instead making it more of a love letter to the golden age of Hollywood, set at a time where the era was near its end. I just thought that was a nice comment. Um, Zach Wojnar, Don Johnson and James Remar are both in Django Unchained. Don Johnson is my favorite actor, and Miami Vice is the greatest show of all time, if you ask me. And one of the best episodes, season two's Buddies, guest stars James Remar as an old college-slash-Vietnam buddy of Crockett's. So, like, even though they don't have any scenes together in Django, I bet Tarantino likes that episode, too. It's good. You should watch it. <laughs> I love that Tarantino Don... is the villain in Alias for a couple episodes. He's oh, fantastic. really? Yep. I didn't know that. I love that Don Johnson specifically is somebody's favorite actor. Yeah, that's that's that so awesome. That's a badass pull, yeah. Uh, Varun Kachwaha says, I want to try something. If I say, that was a horrible film, what film do you picture in your head, if any? The number 27. Oh my god, now that's all I can think about. The Snowman. Oh, I never saw that. It is. Is, is it 27? <sighs> The number twenty or chapter twenty seven is also bad. The number what? Uh, the number twenty three. Twenty three. You thinking of the Jim yeah. Carrey movie? Yeah. I was thinking chapter twenty seven, the uh, Jared Leto killing John Never Lennon movie. It. That movie is garb. Garb. Uh, number twenty three, dude. The first movie that came to my head it was Broken Arrow, but I remember liking dude, I that. Loved movie. Broken. I know. Arrow. I remember liking. Like, Speaking of John Travolta's career, right? Yeah. The, the the Rock, Face Off, Con Air, and Broken Arrow are yep. like forever joined in my head. 100% Ian, I'm with you. Um, <laughs> but probably The Happening right is the worst movie ever made. One of them. Yeah, The Happening. happening. <laughs> it's up there. Uh, all right. Uh, what's a genre? Would you kindly wants to ask? What genre do you guys want Tarantino to tackle next? Sci-fi, horror, fantasy. Sci-fi, 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 sci-fi. 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 Sci-fi horror would be, would be pretty. Good. Yeah, I want I want a straight up <laughs> horror movie from him. Uh, I think that his his writing style, where like literally like dialogue is combative and like yeah. laden with with foreshadowing perfectly will fit into the horror genre but uh i think i don't know like i don't want him to make movies that he's not interested in making right and i think that right now he's a little i want to i don't want to say he's burnt out but like the recent stuff i've been hearing his his uh um interviews and stuff he sounds like he's a little ready to take a break yeah well he said uh he's got 10 in him didn't he say that a long time ago correct uh, yeah. So he's got like Kill Bill one? counts as one. I don't think Death Proof counts as one. Okay, so he's got like one or two more. Yeah, one. Yeah, one. Uh, uh, Star Trek. Uh, I don't think it's happening anymore. Wait. Yeah, he, I don't. I think that's dead too. He yeah. was gonna do a Star Trek movie. Yeah, yeah. I was supposed to direct it, but not write it. Whoa. Which would have been amazing. That would have been bonkers in the new canon with he, Chris yeah. Pine. Yeah, I don't know. It's changed so much over the years. The last thing I heard about it was that it's not happening anymore. Oh, uh, yeah. It's so sad when movies get, like, announced and then you're excited for them and they never happen. People just shouldn't announce things until they're, like, week two. Taika Waititi, Taika Waititi's Akira is, like... Oh, my God. Like, I want it so bad. So that would be bad. really good. And I would Maybe trust him to do it well. Yeah. What'd you say, Hubert? You should do a Mandalorian episode. Oh, he should. I'm sure he... Didn't, didn't he? Yeah, didn't he? 
No, I think I'm he did. Tarantino show. Oh, oh, oh Tarantino. I thought you meant Taika. I thought <laughs> I like, Taika wait. did. I think he did too. Uh, oh, Bender's at it again. Whew. Yeah, I think it would like a Mandalorian episode would be amazing. It would because he would just lean so hard into his spaghetti western. Like, oh yeah, it'd be roots on that. It would just. It'd be so good. Like, I mean, he wouldn't even know it was an episode of The Mandalorian until, like, the very end of the episode or something. Are Favreau and uh, Tarantino friends? I could see that being a thing. Or they maybe hate know. each other. I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, shout out to The Big Empty. <laughs> a little-known Favreau movie where there's, like, aliens and bowling? I don't know. It's probably bad. Um, Cesar Villa says, since we're all in quarantine, it's no secret contagion and outbreak are movies that come to mind, but digging a little deeper, and just a little, these are not forgotten gems or anything. Twelve monkeys in the Planet of the Apes trilogy are somewhat related to viruses too, and how the world excuse me, can change because of a pandemic. I gotta finish the Twelve Monkeys show still. I'm like four episodes away from the end of it. I like that show. Mm-hmm. Twelve Monkeys is a great movie. One of the, the Apes movies are the best. Yeah, they're good. Sophia movies. loves those. Incredible. One of the the main regrets is that uh, the Planet of the Apes before this reboot, the the Tim Burton one, right? That was supposed to be such a, like a dark, like Batman esque take on Planet of the Apes, and the studio just meddled so hard in that movie that it turned into a giant steam pile of trash. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like the movie they wanted to make sounded amazing. Eventually, we're gonna get like a documentary on it, like we got for you know, Jodorowsky's Jodorowsky's Dune or whatever. I still hope they get one more in the circus first. Yeah. That would be great. Seems like they need one more. I've seen them all. Wrap that up. The third one is incredible. One of my favorite blockbusters of all time. I just watched it not too long ago. Yeah, for the first time. It was really cool. Love that movie. Uh, Morgan Mahalo wants a Patriot check, Huber. Episode two. Wait, are you watching it? No, I mean, I watched episode one a while ago. Oh, so you, so I'm on you have yet to watch two. Correct. <laughs> okay. Correct. I don't think it's going to happen, team. I don't know. Have you seen hey, that Hey, we're show? quarantined. Anything could happen. Yeah. Tokyo, Huber could just that? like, uh, Patriot, I have not, I am not a TV person. I like, m- like movies. I know a lot about. Yeah. You start talking about stuff like The Wire, Breaking Bad honestly never seen any of it oh wow uh, and i know that it hurts people when i say that because like yeah that hurts they're Patriot. iconic and whatever i just don't watch tv all that much i don't have cable and when i do streaming stuff i usually do movies and yeah patriot feels like a movie it's hard for me even to like watch back episodes of anime i have this very strict rule like if there's more than 26 episodes of anime to catch up on i won't even start <laughs> yeah so you've seen cowboy bebop though right that's the cowboy bebop rule is the 26 Aha, episodes yep, 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 yep. uh that i had to catch up on and 100 percent worth it so worth it yeah that, there's a live action long rumored live yep. action uh, forever, yeah. john cho uh, like john cho hurt yeah. himself and yes, so they did. paused and they're waiting for him which is good to recover i guess yeah i hope he's all right because uh, john yeah. cho is a treasure he's great uh, was he in Searching? Is that the movie I'm thinking of? Correct. Yeah, I like yeah. that movie. That's the one that's all on uh, computer screens. We love it. Yeah, yeah, I like that movie a lot. It's yeah, it's, you do. That's an underrated gem right there. Yeah, it is. Um. Oh yeah, Morgan Mahal also wants to know if we're ever actually going to do those commentary tracks. 
that we joke about humor. One of these days. Yeah, all, tw- all like 20 of them you got lined up right now. What's right. the one? What's the main one we need to do? I don't know. <laughs> we we threw out like six last episode. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> We're liars. I humor. really, really want to do. Yeah, there, there are a few that would be really fun. Uh, New Patreon tier. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you read it already, but uh, they they gave us a, a a quote challenge, and you can take part two since you didn't write it, Tokyo. Oh, uh, nice. I'm supposed to be juggling ten bowling pins engulfed in flames over my tail at this point, but you just have to imagine that part. Oh. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. <laughs> no. Fantastic Beasts and the Crimes of Grindelwald. <laughs> can, I, no. can I get it? Can I get it repeated? I'm supposed to be juggling ten bowling pins engulfed in flames over my tail at this point, but you just have to imagine that part. Mulholland Drive. No one in no one in Mulholland Drive has a tail. <laughs> has a tail. <laughs> a, 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 a metaphorical tail, yes. Yeah. Yeah. As in somebody is following them, but not right. a literal tail. Um, Ghostbusters. It's how a, to train your dragon? It's a talking animal. Uh, from tw- 2018. Avengers Infinity War. It's a it's a uh, animated film, not a cartoon. Zootopia. Not a CG animated film. A painstakingly stop oh, motion. Oh, Isle of Dogs. Isle of Dogs. Isle of Dogs. That's uh, you, you had to lead me there, but I got it eventually. That's Scarlett Johansson's character, Nutmeg, I believe. Uh, all right. Or they told me it was Nutmeg, but I believe that's Scarlett Johansson's character. Uh, Scarlett Johansson can portray anything she wants, apparently. So. <laughs> yeah. Dogs. Asian people. What a snake. It's a snake in Jungle Book, right? Oh, I, I give Scarlett Johansson a lot of crap, but I really I think she's a great actress. I, yeah, so. she is good. Black she's Black just Black. made some mistakes. Bad and, choices. And... and, and uh, had bad reactions to the reactions to her bad yeah. choices. Um, I, I commented that I sh- shouldn't write these prompts when I'm in such a weird mood. And would you kindly say, just quoted Hunter S. Thompson as saying, when the, when the going gets weird, the weird turn professional. And I like, I like that. All right. Joe Valentine's a professional. So now we've got our, our, our man of the hour here, Tokyo Slim's quote challenge. We didn't All do right. so hot last time. No. Uh, I will. I will say uh, all, something. One of you almost got something right. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, nobody got anything right last time though. Um, Dang. You ever kill somebody? I heard someone's feelings once. Is from Ronan. Yeah. Ronan. Were we, we were few... talking about Ronan that episode too? Yes. And Ronan. we've talked about it a lot in in private since. Yeah. Uh, Damn it. But yes. I, I, I like to, I like to do that to you guys just to see whether you're paying attention. Yeah, that's uh, really good. Yeah, one of the few movies. Spoilers, where, dude. Sean I need to Bean. see that movie again. It is excellent. I loved it as a kid. Movie. That was one of those weird movies as a kid, like the Liam Neeson Les Misérables, that I was just in love with as like a depressed dude, little ten year old. Who's the female lead in that movie, Ian? Ugh. She's I was in like, so many I was movies. Like in I love with her actress. as a kid. I'm looking in uh, Ronan. Yeah. yeah, dude. It's uh, Natasha Michelone. Dude, she's ah. so sick. Yeah, I I thought she was so pretty when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, still, Deirdre. Yeah. Yep. Dope movie. Stellan Skarsgård is such a slimy bastard. Oh yeah, in that she's movie. in. 
Truman Show and yep. sol- the the um, Soderbergh Solaris. Solaris. Still haven't seen the original Solaris, but I've seen that. I've, I've only seen the original. It's on my list on Criterion Channel. As soon as I find six hours, <laughs> or however long it is, all right, four and a half hours of it are totally worth it. Yeah, I mean, I liked um, Das Boot, so why not? Yeah, it's it's like that. Um, so next up, you guys are gonna kill yourselves over this one. Uh, what about the guy you lobotomized? Did he get a refund? Can you imagine Arnold Schwarzenegger saying that? <sighs> Total Recall. <laughs> Damn it. We're Charlotte. The original, the original Total Recall. Yeah, 90. Not, yeah. I never um, saw the new one. I it's assumed it was trash. As good. It's not as good. It's yeah. trash. No, it's actually, it's trash. <laughs> they made a bold decision to not go to Mars in that movie. Huh. Which is kind of the whole point of the original. That's the whole, that's the it's, whole point. Instead, they go to Australia. Cl- kind of like Mars. Cool <laughs> kind of. Uh, it is not our abilities that show us uh, what we truly are. It is our choices. You guys immediately went straight for uh, X-Men uh-huh. when, in fact, it was Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Dumbledore, and not Professor X. Is that the one that we almost got? Were you giving no, us? No. Okay. That is not the one you almost got. Okay, because I was like, like no. you're giving us way too much credit if that was the, if that was uh, the, the almost. Hey, Professor X and Dumbledore, they're same tier. S- same role. Same category. Same, 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 same tier. Yeah. Same archetype uh, in the story. Yeah. yeah. The truth is a matter of circumstances. It is not all things to all people all the time. Uh, Huber said... Captain America Civil War, and in fact, it was Captain America Winter Soldier. Oh, Damn it! That's so your half a, half a point. And I made a note. I said half points don't do anything, but full points also don't do anything. Then so, <laughs> we're on our way. You you are half a point richer. You got a marble uh, over me, man. It hurts. Yeah, yeah. it's it, you're I've close. Gotten, I've gotten a lot of them past you guys. Yeah. Uh, which is part of the reason why I'm changing up the format. I think this assisted this month. mode, uh, not assisted. It's just it's just the like I think it's it's easier to to do. I think okay, uh, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, behind the stubble and the too prominent brow and the male pattern baldness, I sensed your feminine longing, and it slew me. Was being John Malkovich. Uh. <laughs> When uh, what's her name goes through the Malkovich tunnel and becomes Malkovich, right? God, that's such yeah. a good movie. Yes, love that movie as well. That's Spike Jones's another one of those people. I think you shouldn't give too big of a budget to, but yeah, he's he hasn't really disappointed me yet. So. And uh, that's Kaufman too, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. So this month I am changing the format. What's going to happen? I think if this works this week or this this week this month is I'm going to give you five quotes from the same movie uh-huh. in escalating order of obviousness. Okay. So hopefully you guys will both eventually both get whatever this movie is. It's just a matter of when you get this okay. movie. And I know that Huber's just going to shout it out. Don't so. blurt it, Huber. Yeah. Don't blurt I, it. I factored that in. He's going to blurt it, but you can raise your hand when you like figure out what it is. If okay. You, if, you, if you get it before Huber. Okay. All right. Uh, so the first and least most obvious quote is, um, you don't trust anyone. That's your problem. I trust my barber. 
Okay, I've definitely seen this movie. Ghostbusters. <laughs> Incorrect. No. Ugh. All right, keep going. Misery, misery, misery. That's what you've chosen. I offered you friendship and you spat in my face. Oh, man. Man, if we don't get it at the end of this, it's going to be frustrating. All right, what's the next one? I had to beat an old lady with a stick to get these cranberries. Oh, my God. Seinfeld? <laughs> he doesn't watch TV. That sounds a like Seinfeld movie. That sounds like something that would happen to them. I had to beat an old lady with a stick to get these cranberries. Sounds like a comedy, man. Not my wheelhouse, Ian. Yeah. You. Yeah. You're on your own. Huber, don't check out. This is very much in your wheelhouse. All right. Um, I can't help thinking about the last thing I said to him. He tried to tell me something important, and I threw it in his face. Oh, my God. I know I've seen this movie. No are you going to make us wait till next month? Or are you going to uh, tell us? Special occasion, I will probably tell you. Okay, Couldn't okay. even guess. If you, if, you, if you don't get it on this one. I will give you a hint on this last one also to help you. Okay. It, but, I know uh, I've seen this. Uh, this is why only fools are heroes. Because you never know when some lunatic will come along with a sadistic choice. Could even uh, guess. And if you imagine this person who says this is holding one thing in each of his hands and he drops them at the same time. It's Spider Man two? Spider Man it's it's Three. one of Spider Man one? Far from home. No It is it is the same Raimi Spider Man. Raimi Spider Man one. one, yeah. It is. Nice. We got there. We got there. I haven't seen that in over a decade. Yeah. Duh. Every single one of those, though, I was like, it's on the tip of my tongue. And like, it, I, I know I specifically this. did not give you the most obvious one, obviously. That was really good. With great power comes right. great responsibility. That would, yeah, we would that have was, that's the like secret it. sixth quote that I was going to give you if nobody <laughs> got it. But, but you got there, Ian. Uh, we got there. Eventually, we got there. We can- do you like that better than the other format, or do you like the other format better? Because I can, or, or do you want to keep trying something else every time? It's- up to you, man. I mean, I, I like them both. I think it's fun to, to drill down like that. It's also fun to have variety, so I, I like it all. <laughs> yeah, mix it up. Nice. Keep us guessing. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, all right. So I don't forget, I'm going to do the shout-outs right now. Shout-out. Shout-out for April. Blue. Caleb Togi Crawford. L. Thanis. Greg the Dark Knight Kettering and Jesse Blue. We got two blues in there. You're true blue, Ethel. I said that to you on Twitter the other day. You did. Oh, I'm out of focus now. Focus. That's just how it is. My my night light came on on my computer and so it uh yeah, hopefully it's not capturing all red now. It was it was the Royal Ten Emblems quote. You just yeah. You just went out of focus. Went out of focus for a little bit. Well, thank you so much, Tokyo Slim. Thanks for having me. For it being a guest. My pleasure and a lifelong dream I to feel, be on this podcast. So I feel like you're on every episode anyway, just because you're yeah, in the, the comments and the and the quote challenge now. It's just so great. It is a highlight of my month. Well, it's a highlight of ours as well, so thank you so much. Uh Huber, thank, thank you, you very much. 
Thank you. Thank you, Tokyo Slam. Uh, and just real quick, I want to say that uh, everybody out there uh, who is quarantining, your community has artists, has uh, employees at theaters, has restaurant employees, has every support your local arts and and uh, entertainment communities while they are currently either unemployed or furloughed or or working their asses off trying to get people food. Um, it's a great thing that that we have these resources, movie theaters, even though some people hate going to the theaters, I, I think it's an unrivaled experience. Um, and I just wanted to say thank you to all of the people out there who, who make our entertainment and who, and our food and all of that. Here, 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 here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, wash your hands, stay inside, stay safe. Um, but yeah, uh, patreon.com slash easy allies is how Huber and I are able to live. <laughs> so thank you so very much. Uh, check that out if you haven't already, if you're interested in helping us out. Uh, but if you can't, especially during these times, that is totally understandable. Um, but yeah, thank you for watching or listening. Thank you again, Tokyo Slim, for being our special guest. And we will see you again next month for Reaction Shots. Bye-bye. Bye.